Hello, Anime Addicts. As we come to the end of February, I want to thank everyone that has helped support the podcast this year. Thanks to you, it helps with the cost of keeping this ship sailing, and we truly appreciate it. In an effort to share those good vibes, for the first three months of 2021, we will be donating 50% of all incremental support we receive to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. If you want to help out this cause or just help us keep the lights on, we cordially invite you to visit aaapodcast.com or our Patreon to chip in or support us however you see fit. We truly appreciate it. And with that, let's get this podcast going. Get ready! You're about to listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 564 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. My name is Mason, but you can call me Angelica because I am the queen of running this rugrat ship of the youth as we take over the podcast once and for all from the tyranny of of Mitsugi and his old man wisdom and uh, claim the ship for ourselves. So I am running the show today, so all mistakes, all problems, blame it on me. I am going to drive this into the ground, but with me to help me out is the fantabulous Caroline. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. I'm so happy to be a part of this coup d'etat today. Um, Excellent. It's been a blast so far. I hope that uh, Mason can steer the ship into a beautiful ocean and hopefully not to the bottom of it. Excellent. Well, we will we will find out how that goes. Um, so if you're watching this live on Twitch, where we stream live every Sunday at 5 p.m. EST, you will see all the goofs and guffaws and mess ups that I have along the way. If you're listening to the audio version, I, uh, I'll try to slip in some mistakes for you as well so you can get the full experience. But today, in addition to making your anime addiction worse, we are uh, Actually, that's about all we're going to do today because we have a lot of shows to talk about. We will be doing our typical what have we been watching segment where we run through all the shows or at least most of them that we've been watching over the past couple of weeks and maybe share some recommendations with you. We we will also be doing a review of Adachi Toshimamura. And don't forget before we head on, check out our website, aaapodcast.com. You can join the Discord. And most importantly, at the moment, you can take place in our listener's choice for our winter 2021 show for us to review. So head on over there. Big list. Lots of things. Lots of links. Uh, anything else before we kick this off? Um, no, I think we're good, Captain. Excellent. How's how's the <laughs> audio sounding on uh, Internet, folks? Is uh, I mean, no one's. No one's yelling at us yet, so that's probably a good sign. No, yeah, well, yep, that, everything looks uh, to be pretty good. People are saying hi. <laughs> um, also, that we never start great. on let's, time, uh, so <laughs> there's a rise. We're changing that. We're changing that. Well, this is a new era, boys. Uh, strap in. Here we go. It's time for big news of the week. Every button I press, I'm just waiting for this to blow up. So, 
With that, uh, my big news of the week is the final Evangelion film has been listed online briefly as 154 minutes long, which is, man, are you ready for two and a half hours of pain? I, I think I am, because it's been a long time coming. The, uh, the first three movies of the series, the rebuilds, I should say, were all between 95 and 112 minutes. So this is substantially longer, up there with some of the longest anime films ever released. Uh, the longest Ghibli film is uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya at 137 minutes. Uh, Kyoto's The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya was 162 minutes, so a little bit longer than this. And the longest anime film I believe that I've ever seen is MAPPA's extended edition of In This Corner of the and Other Corners of the World at 168 minutes. So, man, what's the longest anime film you've ever seen, I, Caroline? Do you I know? I have seen In This Corner of the World. I can't remember exactly. Like, I, I, well, you mentioned how long it was, but it wasn't. Uh, you said it was an extended version you saw? Yeah. So, I think the regular In This Corner is like 130 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really seen any extremely long movies that I know of. Um,. Yeah, I, I can't exactly remember, but if it, if in this corner of the world the regular version is pretty long, I guess that one. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still a little long. Um, what's more interesting, though, in my mind, more than even the Evangelion film being you know almost two and a half hours, is that it's got the rating of a G. Are you? Which uh, if you've ever seen any Evangelion film, uh, you'll know that is not quite suitable material for the youths, even youther than we are, if that's even a word, which it's not. And to be fair, the uh, ARIN system of rating movies, which is different than the MPAA system that North America uses, is a little bit different. They have four ratings, which start at G, so this is still general audience, everyone's allowed in, which I can guarantee you this film is hopefully not going to be that. But to be fair, also all the other EVA films were, so who knows what they're smoking over there. They also have PG-12, which means anyone can still get in, but people under 12 should probably make sure their parents are okay with it. And then the two restricted ratings they have is R15 and R18, which is more strictly enforced at the movie theater. So interesting to note, the recently released Demon Slayer movie is PG-12, so more violent than this. And I actually didn't even know the new Demon Slayer movie is rated R in the United States. So What? I have no idea <laughs> what the discrepancy sense. is. Maybe it's just really bloody. I don't... Who knows? And maybe just the United States just flag everything as from overseas as being... I don't even know, but I thought that was an interesting thing to bring up. And obviously, all this rating is subjective. Everyone has to decide for themselves what's right for them or their children. But uh, yeah, wild. G rating. What, are, what a year. Yeah, that's... It's so strange. The... Um, system for uh, judging the uh, the ratings on movies and such. I feel like it's so ambiguous, you know. Um, even so, I've I rarely see any movies that are rated G. They're usually at least PG. Um, so the fact that they ma- I mean, did they did they just get like uh, swept under the rug? They just kind of forgot about it. They were like, oh. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, like, the new Natsume Jinsho movie is, like, PG-12 and PG-13 in the state. So, like, clearly they have some strict... It's not like everyone's just skating by with a G rating, but I'm sure Anno just, like, bribed everyone. And they're just like, man, we've had so much trouble getting this film out. Just give us... We need to recoup some of these losses. Let 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 the toddlers in. Let the preschoolers. Let them all in. They need to see this. Yeah, honestly, I love how they're just gambling on the mental... <laughs> 
the, the mental effects that this movie could possibly have on children. Yeah, wild. So uh, that was my big news, more interesting than otherwise. But speaking of Demon Slayer. Yes, and actually you're the one who just gave this to me. I'm like, hey, good. I don't have to keep searching for something to talk about. <laughs> um, so Kimetsu no Yaiba, the newest season two, will be out before the end of the year. It is known as the Entertainment District Arc or Yukakuhen. Um, so it is the sequel to the movie that we haven't seen yet. Yay! <laughs> Um, so obviously there have not been any updates on whether this, I feel like they should have announced the release of the movie before they released the announcement of the second season, but maybe, well, we don't really matter. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was announced in Japan and it's like, it's not like you're not going to not keep that news from coming to the United States or anywhere else, but who cares if they haven't seen the film yet? Yeah. I mean, if they, if this film does not legally come out before the second season, I will, without much guilt in my heart. Find it somewhere. Get that 240p cam rip going and just be like, this is the only way. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sorry. I try to make sure that I watch things legally, but I have to watch this movie where I watch season two. Um, so I did watch the trailer. It's about a minute long and it really doesn't reveal much. I thought it was actually a teaser trailer, but it says the official trailer. So I don't know. Um, but it certainly looks as good as the first season, even though it doesn't really show exactly what's going to happen in it, which is fine. Um, you know, the last volume of the manga came out in December, so that ends that ended the series with like twenty three volumes. The first season mm-hmm. covered the first six volumes, and the movie covered the seventh and the eighth. So, based on that, we can probably expect up to a season three and maybe another movie. Because I feel like if, they, yeah, if they'd already done sense. one movie, they might even just conclude the last part of the series with the movie. I would see that happening. Nah, just give us two more seasons and that will be excellent. Well, actually, season one was 24 episodes, right? It was a two-quarter length show? Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, so. I guess, yeah, yeah, maybe 50 more episodes of this left. Yeah. It is pretty surprising, though, how quickly they finished up the manga considering how uh, popular it became so recently. But maybe it's for the I best. I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to think that shows, the more they drag on, cough, cough, we're on episode 564 or whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> get to the point already. And uh, I like that about Demon Slayer. And as long as it still looks as good as it has, I will keep on watching it because it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the second season will be as good as the first? I would probably need to see the movie to judge that. Um, But I've heard a lot of great things from this arc. I have no idea what it's about. But people are like, oh, my God, they're doing the Entertainment District (gasps) arc. I I think the biggest issues a lot of us had with season one were more not in like the plot or the pacing, but just in some of the character traits. Are so you talking about how prevalent maybe those characters evolve or or, or if they're more static, they might have a lot of the same issues. So I'm not going to say anything. I might scream something out, but I'm not going to imply anybody. <laughs> okay, so obviously we're talking about Nezuko here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, get her out of that box. That's she, she needs to see the world. Yeah, I hope that she actually does end up being a little bit more of a... Uh, like she's a, ni- she's a nice character and I like her, but I hope that she grows within the next season. There's no personality to She's her. She's so cute, she is, though. She can also have opinions and thoughts. Eh, never mind. Forget it. She's just there for the biting. She does cool things. 
sometimes. <laughs> when she's not in a box, we're sleeping. <laughs> Occasionally. But there's like really no like volition to her drive. It's always like protect or defend or escape. Like there's no I don't know. People are screaming depth. free Nezuko twenty twenty one. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, those are two uh, important announcements, I think. I, I think those were good news. Yeah. Uh, and with that, let's jump to our main topic, which is the what have we been watching segment. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how much have you watched? Have you watched a whole lot? I watched a whole lot like a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay. So I'm mostly okay. drawing from there. I mean, I have been watching just a little bit, but I feel like um, a lot of my time this week was taken up by our review, so obviously we will be talking about that later on in full depth. Um, and, of course, watching things for Anime Club, which we talked in full depth in Anime Club. So, um, But I guess I'll start off with saying that I watched up to episode 9 of AO- of the Attack on Titan final season, and it is okay. pretty good. The thing is, is that I've read the manga up to around this point. So after, I think... Episode 10, I'll still know, like, where we're at. And then I think the episode after that is all new stuff to me. Um, But, yeah, it's been pretty good. And it's so strange to think that uh, to compare the first season to this final season and what the the plot is now, it is so crazy. (laughs) The difference. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have still held off from this season. I know it'll be best as a binge and just... You know, ignore the hype for now and just just let it all come to me once it's finished. So I'm very excited to get to that point. What, how far have you watched? I really, I've watched all three seasons, one through three, part two, whatever it is. So I've watched everything before season four, how, including all the OVAs and side stuff. How are you keeping yourself from getting into what is the the finale, the final season? Because, you know, I. It's it's so much better as a binge watch. I know we talked a little bit in Hobby Addicts. You're not much of a binge watcher, but I feel like Attack on Titan is so primed for that kind of delivery and input that I, I don't know. I just think it'll be better that way. And there's probably some like plot points that I need to refresh myself on. And doing that week to week, I don't want to miss any of those juicy details because despite it being a big action romp, there is a lot of inner workings and behind the scenes and more depth to the stuff going on that I don't want to forget that from week to week. Okay, so at this point, you don't know what's beyond the sea. What do you think is beyond the sea? Hopefully Chuck E. Cheese and Toys R Us because <laughs> we don't have them anymore over here. So I'm a little sad about that. But uh, I have no anticipation. Like, I don't I don't even know if I'm anticipating or excited for season four. Like, I, I was so down and out of the series after season two that season three I didn't have expectations and it blew me out of the water so I'm kind of going into season four just like everyone's saying it's good and I don't believe them I'm sure it's overhyped I'm sure it's not that good and now I'm tricking myself into lowering my expectations again so that I can be once again pleasantly surprised I will say that the first couple episodes aren't the at the top of the list of the episodes that came out of the season um, but they are kind of building up to what are really great episodes. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and, and that's the thing. You got that build up where when you're watching it week to week, there's an episode of build up and it doesn't deliver that big moment because that's the next episode. And you're like, well, that was a wasted week or that episode was more of a letdown instead of it fulfilling the role it had to build expectations. So 
I don't know. That's why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. And uh, we'll see if I can wait another eight weeks or whatever it is. Now, I will ask you this. Who do you predict will die in this season? Uh, Aaron? Is he dead yet? No! He's not dead. <laughs> okay. I think he's going to die. Oh, uh, that's that's not a... Un, like, yeah, we kind of... Kind of yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. For the record, I have read nothing. I know nothing. This is not spoilers in any way. This is my... <laughs> predictions for who's not seen any of season four. I so. mean, based on the fact that I don't, I don't know if this is a spoiler for anyone that's wa- listening or even you, I think that they've talked about it in season three, but um, there is kind of a, a uh, what's it called? An, an expiration of the lives that are able to turn into Titans. So I think it's like thir- 13 years from the point of gaining one of the nine Titans is when that person is going to die. Um, so based on that, Aaron is eventually going to die. I don't know if they get around this curse or whatever it is. I'm not, I don't even know if it's like a true, like, this is exactly what happens kind of thing, or is it just like a superstition? But yeah, Mm -hmm. based on that, and also the fact that he is such an angsty character, um, and you know, I don't see him surviving beyond the plot. Yeah, I can see him kind of dying at this, at some point. There we go. That's that's what my brain's telling me on this uh, on the spot question. Yeah, but I'm sure we will we will proudly have a special Attack on Titan concluding podcast thing once we know if this is actually the end or maybe we'll have a movie or who knows what's coming. So mm-hmm. final season part two, you, you never know. So uh, I will jump into the the first thing I watched which is The Wasteful Days of High School Girls. Have you ever seen this, heard about it, know anything about it? I think I've heard of The Wasteful Days of High School Boys. Is that that like a spinoff, or is I wrong? It is not in any way related to this. It's Uh, it's an actual show that's separate. similar. Yes, very separate show, very similar style, though, where a group of people, obviously spoilers, in this one, high school girls instead of boys, just pretty much each episode starts with this trio led by a character nicknamed Baka for idiot. And boy, does she live up to that title. She kind of comes on screen. She goes to her friends and says, hey, can I say something amazing right now? And they say no. And then she says something very stupid. And then the episode just launches off into a bunch of gags and skits. And it is, I thought it was actually really funny. I liked it more than Wasteful Days of High School Boys. So if you like that show, I recommend checking this one out. I don't think it's for everyone's taste. The comedy is a little jarring and all over the place. It's very scatterbrained, like uh, myself this episode. But I recommend everyone at least watch the opening for Wasteful Days of High School Girls. It is so catchy, so visually distinctive and stylish. And it's done by Studio Passion, which I normally don't enjoy their works. But I actually kind of enjoyed this one a bit. So if you want a fun comedy, which is kind of the theme of this uh, segment for me. I watch a lot of dumb comedies. Uh, I enjoyed this one overall. So if you were on the fence, I'd say give it a shot. And absolutely no connection to High School Boys whatsoever. Like, no, connection. not even the manga creator. I don't think so. That's so strange. <laughs> I feel like there is a, like a copyright issue right there. <laughs> Maybe, but I could be completely off base. But it's you don't need at least to watch one to see the other. So. I'd say give this one a shot first. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind. 
There you go. Um, Watch the OP. Let's see. Up next, I don't really have a lot to say about this one, but I have watched the first episode of the second season of the quintessential quintuplets because, honestly, I kind of like the first season. It was okay. Um, not exactly my favorite show, but definitely was interested in finishing the show. I think the second season is going to wrap everything up. Um, the main gripe that I've had with the first episode, though, is that they changed the main character's eye color to yellow. Oh, no. I heard. <laughs> Were they going for the blue and no. yellow? Uh, <laughs> crum- that is funny, though. <laughs> um, I think that in the original manga, his eyes are supposed to be that color, like in the colored pages. But they changed them to blue in the first season for some reason. But honestly, blue is a heck of a lot better than yellow. And it was so jarring, too, because I'm like, there's something different about this character. And why does he look weird now? And I realized it's because he changed <laughs> the eye color from blue to yellow. It's just... It's kind of like Haikyuu in their last season where they where they changed the art style to more accurately represent how they are drawn in the manga. I've never seen Haikyuu, And it just actually. is a shift. It's a little like that. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Or like in Berserk, where they went from pretty passable art to uh yeah i'm not gonna even no no we're gonna no that never existed i forgot sorry my bad berserk always great that's all you need to say (laughs) exactly yes i only watched the first episode of the second season and unfortunately hasn't grabbed me in the same way the first season did maybe i've gotten my fill of it from the first season and the second season just isn't enough to get me excited for it at all i don't know i might finish it up at some at some point i don't know We'll see what happens. So you can't bring up the show without then following up with your, I guess, ranking oh <laughs> of the uh, the candidates. Do you have those on hand or do you at least have okay. a prediction of who the end Okay, so the end uh, relationship the will end be. relationship is definitely hinted to be with I think her name is Itsuki, the the one with the red hair, the the kind of like the mm-hmm. main girl of the five, which I kind of hate because the thing is, is that she is the, um, her character type is the only character type that wins in these relationships. So the question of who's it gonna be, it's obviously her, unless the manga creator just decided, I'm gonna switch it up. It's obviously her, but I'm gonna go with this one instead. I hope that happens, because Itsuki's fine, but she's just so an overdone character with, like, these harem shows, so I don't know. So my favorite to win is Miku because she really likes the you know, she likes Futaro. So I'm like, yeah, go get it, you know, go get it. Oh my it. goodness, she likes the main character. You know, well, she's the only one wow. that really wow. treats him with any respect. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of the other girls treat him with respect, kind of, but she's always been the most respectful, I think. Um, and you know, she's cute, and I like her. Um, so she's up first, then. I guess Nino, because she's pretty nice. Then the third is probably Yotsuba, but the thing is that she probably would be higher up on the list if I had seen more of her, which I think one of the episodes of season two does. So maybe if I've seen that episode, maybe she'd get higher on the list. Then it is a toss-up between Itsuki and... Uh, what was the girl with the pink hair? Or the pink tails. Or did I get... I-, I watched one episode of this show. <laughs> I can't help you uh, out. Chat, help me. What's her name? <laughs> okay, so so uh, pig, pigtails and the really really rude one. Um, I don't really like her, but I also don't want Itsuki to win. So I don't know. <laughs> 
Fair enough, fair enough. Oh, no, no, no. I think I got... Okay, so Ichika is the one with the short hair that I like. Nino is the actual pink-tailed girls that I don't like. So it is Miku, Ichika, Yotsuba, Itsuki, and Nino. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Put it in stone. Too many names. She's marked her tablet. <laughs> we'll see uh, if that comes to pass. We'll see. Um, my my next show is the, I would say, very contentious show, Amagi Brilliant Park. Um has quite notoriety both in the community and on this very podcast where we had a very heated uh, review of it back many moons ago. But this is done by Kyoto Animation, which is one of my all-time favorite studios. And I kind of just owe it to myself to watch all of their works one day because they're a great studio and I want to see everything that they've produced. And I would say definitely this is on the bottom end of their spectrum. It is came out in 2014, directed by Yasuhiro Takimoto, who spent his too short career pretty much completely in Kyoto animation. And sure, every studio has some duds. Who cares? And this show just... It had a lot of what makes Kyoto Animation great. It has a lot of that charm. It has those visual stylings. And it just goes above and beyond to present it in such a visual feast that it is great to look at. And that's really the only reason I kept watching it. Because it tells the story of this know-it-all, stuck-up, narcissistic, essentially me in (laughs) anime form. (laughs) Kind of forced to save this like failing amusement park with a bunch of magical creatures in it from... Uh, being shut down and demolished and without a home and it's it's fine it's a fine show i thought it was when you kind of weigh the pros and the cons it fell right in the middle of average and i think people know within an episode or two if this is for them or not it was a little too fan servicey for me just a lot of annoying characters but at the same time some really charming moments and a pretty satisfying ending so I don't regret watching it. I'm glad that I just got a little bit more of Kyoto Animation's history, and it certainly was what it was. More importantly, though, because this kind of sent me down the beginning of a Kyoto Animation rabbit hole, I found a, ooh, I don't even know how to describe it, but this this fantasy Shirobako hyper-adorable two-episode OVA called Baja's Studio, B-A-G-A apostrophe S Studio. And really, you know, I talked about each studio having duds, but what really matters in my mind with Kyoto Animation is kind of their workplace culture. And there's in Japan, there's a whole prevalence of problematic work environments. And everything I've ever read about Kyoto Animation is how much better theirs is. And this short called Baja Studio kind of tells the story of this little hamster, weasel, uh, guinea pig, probably guinea pig, let's go with guinea pig, named Baja, who lives in this kind of like romanticized version of Kyoto Animation Studio and just is adorable and makes friends with a duck and a cute fairy. And it's probably the sweetest, most heart melting thing I've seen all year. It's so adorable. Uh, is it more than just visual eye candy? Not really. Is it perhaps a skewed commercial to make you further endeared with the studio? Perhaps, but it succeeds at both. And if you just want 40 minutes of just beautiful, gorgeous, amazing visuals that just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, check out Baja Studio. It's a it's a fun time. Wait, so it's about these three animals slash creatures in an animation studio. 
it's it's about this this one animal in a animation studio who looks outside the window and sees this rubber ducky in like a little water fountain outside. He's like, "Oh, that's my buddy." And essentially this like neighborhood cat comes to like chew on this rubber ducky and he's like, "That's my friend. You stop it, Meanie." And this like fantasy fairy lady from the show that the studio was making like grants him the power to like go on an adventure to save his rubber ducky friend. And they, it's, it's exactly as sweet and like saccharine as I'm explaining it, but it is really cute and makes you feel good. So so is the rubber ducky actually like a sentient animal, like, or like a sentient toy, or is it like just a rubber ducky? No, it's just a rubber ducky, but with the power of magic, it becomes (laughs) uh, a squeaky compadre for his future shenanigans against the evil wizard who comes who is the evil wizard from the show once again from the studio being made who is in a perpetual war with this fairy character there is no plot <laughs> it is not worth explaining just check it out it's a it's a it joy pretty cute um so i have been trying to get back into my hero academia i stopped right before the the uh was it the cultural festival arc um, of the last season, I just kind of just stopped and did not move forward for a very long time. And I'm only just now getting back into it. And I can see why I stopped watching at the point where it's like <laughs> the the big climactic part of the season. And then the rest of the season is just slice of life stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's been hard. But I've only been watching it. I've only watched a couple episodes since. Uh, but I have to finish it in order to get to the newer season that's coming out at some point. You gotta, and there's, I think it was like a short movie that came out recently, recently being yeah. half a year well, ago. I haven't seen any of the movies. It's not a movie. I think it's like an extra thing after the end of the most recent arc. Like a, yeah. Or not arc, season. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> it's like an extended movie. I can look it up. I'm not going to even... Edit this keyboard clicking. You can all just enjoy it. My academia. Tell you what, I was. Oh boy, this Wikipedia is not going to help me. (laughs) At some point, I was going to go see the first movie that came out, but um, I had to dodge it because (laughs) at first it was in college and I was part of this anime club. And I brought up like maybe going to this, the next town over to go see the movie. Um, and the only person that was interested in going was this guy who was interested in me, and I was definitely not interested in him. And actually, at the same time, I kind of double-booked myself for that weekend, so I couldn't end up going. But I also did not make any attempt to reschedule. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was really glad that I accidentally double-booked myself. Otherwise, it would have been a date, and I did not want to go on a date with him. Oh, no. <laughs> and, we call that the plus please could you not strategy? Yeah. I'm like, guys, are you sure that none of you want to go with me, please? (laughs) So uh, I was referring to two OVAs that came out in August of 2020 called the Make It Do or Die Survival Training Part 1 and 2. So those kind of continue the story after the uh, season four. Yeah, season four. You got more heroes to catch up on. Who's your Who's your favorite? Who's the best hero? Uh, like hero, hero, or hero student? Hero student. It's hard. It's really hard. Uh well, Izuku's just a little cinnamon roll. I love him. 
Um, <laughs> I've actually seen, or I've seen like YouTube uh, translations of their My Hero Academia radio show that they do uh, in between episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's between, um, it's I think his name's Daiki, the, the voice actor for Izuku. And often it's... Uh, uh, Kaiju Yuki, and they're just adorable together, and I love them. <laughs> is he the guy who talks to animals? No, who no, am I uh, thinking of? Who uh, Kaiju Yuki? He's yeah. the voice actor for um, for Todoroki. Oh, you're just talking about the voice yeah. actors. Yeah, yes, you. it's just between the two of them, and they're just talking to each other about being on the show, and uh, you know, random things. Just man, if if Izuku wasn't a cinnamon roll, then his voice actor is the cinnamon roll. <laughs> Who who's your favorite hero? Uh, hero student or hero teacher? And you're like ah, voice Sorry. actor. Oh my Got gosh! It. Well, I well I mentioned you know I like him, but uh, I know, other I than know. that, uh, it's so hard. I like there's just too many of them. But fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Jiro's cool. And a car, of course, invisible girl is best girl, you know. Of course, there <laughs> you go. You 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 got the right answer. Actually, I just realized the uh, the movie I'm going to be talking about today is just the uh, headphone jack, whatever her yeah, name Jiro. is. She's uh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's pretty much in this movie. So got that to look forward mm-hmm. to. Let's see how are we doing on time. How are we doing on time? Ooh, ooh, we're, let's let's do one show each. Oh, uh, you, so you want to go next then? Yeah, yeah, I just need to decide which of these, like, seven shows is the most worth talking about. Mm, let's do... Do we want, like, an obscure show that no one will like, but is funny? Or an obscure show that some people might like that is funny. I, let's go for the one that nobody likes. I'm interested. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So this uh, this is a movie called Dragon's Heaven. This is an old, old movie uh, that is from like the late 80s, but it's so unpolished and grainy that it looks like it's from the 70s, which is to say it looks super cool. The mech designs, the character designs are amazingly rad. And... Man, the animation is a tale of two stories. Sometimes it's really good and passable, and sometimes it's really bad. And just visually, it's uh, amazing. But really, what makes this movie stand out is, first of all, it begins... If you've ever watched, uh, let's just call them uh, hentai, uh, <laughs> sometimes they, they begin with a lot of text to just like give you the what? whole story before... So they don't actually need to tell you anything that's going on. And this, kind of like a Star Wars or something like that, begins with like just... Lots and lots of texts at the very beginning that tells of these different planets at war with one another and these factions and yada, yada, yada. Who cares? After that, it goes into a five minute live action sequence where this like animatronic practical effect stop motion like combat robot out of Star Wars with like tons of fog machines and camera zoom ins that are like unnecessary with like wild camera pans and orchestral swells. All of which makes no sense. You just see this robot with all this flashing lights and dramatic things for five minutes with no narration, nothing. You don't know why you're looking at it, why you should care, but it is cool. And then all of a sudden it snaps to that aforementioned old school animation, which is 
I don't know, like, then the movie itself, the actual, like, animated part, is only 25 minutes long. So after all this text, all this, like, live-action robots, and you get 25 minutes of animation, which is sometimes laughable with how, like, juvenile it looks and how, like, goofy it is, but it is nonetheless a feast, and it tells the story of this girl named Ikuru, who befriends a bashful war robot, which is the same robot from the intro of the movie, we've come to find out, uh, which takes place a thousand years after all the text in the beginning tells us. So, like, we get all this text, and then it doesn't even matter because we're a thousand years past that text, and we see the robot, and he's adorable, and he blushes all the time, and they go around bopping people on the head, and I don't really know what happens because it's only 25 minutes, and it's such a taste of what is to come. Uh, And then it just ends. And then the last 10 minutes of the movie are just behind the scenes of them, like making the robot and like, like talking about it with like commentary. Like it's a commentary track of them talking about making the robot and how they put fog machines everywhere. And it looks really cool. Set to like eighties, like city pop music. And and, and then it's over. That's so strange. And it's it's such a confusing experience, and it's so one of a kind. Like if you like five star stories, or like old school like Noshka of the Valley of the Wind, or just retro stuff in general, check out Dragon's Heaven because nothing is like it. It's not good, but it's it's so unique that it kind of it kind of is memorable just for that alone. So give that a shot if you uh if that if any of that sounds worth the price of admission. So. I'm sure you can track it down somewhere. Wait, so you get a, like a taste of a show and then it's the background of how it's made? No, like it's a background of how like of them just like with that real life animatronic puppet robot and them just like in the studio, like moving the cameras around and like talking about the robot. Like it's not about how the anime was made. Like the anime is just like an afterthought <laughs> <laughs> to like this robot I, I don't know what is going on or why. And I don't speak Japanese, and I'm sure that would help explain a lot of things. Hmm. And there are subtitles, but, like, there's just so much that isn't subtitles. It's, it's very funny. It makes me laugh just thinking about it. So, Do you want to talk about... Sorry, do you want to talk about one that, like, you actually enjoyed? <laughs> uh, sure. So here's a short one. Really short. Uh, this actually was recommended to me by Frigimon in the Discord. Uh, it's called Gakatsu. And... Caroline, let me ask you this. Do you like Raruko? What's Raruko? Ooh, you know, you know who Raruko is. Well, I'll ask you this. Do you like Please Take My Brother Away? I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. Do you like Agretzko? It's, it's, it's good, yeah. Well, th- this guy is the director and writer who's done all those shows. Wow. So if you like Agretzko or Please Take My Brother Away or What Is The Perfect Way To Eat Fried Eggs or any of his works, then you will like this show. This is a five-minute show of this classroom in japan where every episode a weird discussion point a weird topic is brought up and all the students in the class debate about it and these topics include things like what do uh boys call their mom or who gets the last piece of food when you're sharing it at a table or how do you give up your seat to an elderly person on the train like stuff like that and it just kind of like Wasteful Days of High School Girls, it starts off with a simple concept and just explodes into arguments and big philosophical discussions. And it's very funny, and I definitely enjoyed it. And it's like a five-minute watch each episode, so it's quick, easy, breezy, to the point. So if you like his other stuff, uh, check this one out as well. It's called 
Gakatsu. It's like G-A-K-K-A-T-S-U. Hmm. Exclamation point. Exclamation That's, That point. was a really important part you left out there. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, so I watched up to episode 15 of Jujutsu Kaisen. So I, I pretty much binged all of it. Um, I don't know, a few episodes have come out that I haven't gotten to yet, but... Yeah, uh, after hearing so much about it, I finally got started with it when I was out with COVID. So, yeah, I mean, it was good. I was kind of surprised how I wasn't as grabbed by it as a lot of people were with the start of the show. But, yeah, it's good. Nice. I've I've only watched the three episodes from when I uh, gave the impression on it. So I'm still far behind because I know if I watched it now... Uh, we would have to do a review of it in like a couple months, and I'll be like, "Oh my goodness, what the heck happened?" Yeah, you might as well just watch. I remember the first, a panda, and that you was just it. Just watch up to the first core, and then you'd be like, and then you have the basis down, and you can just watch the second core when we have to review it. Sure, but at this point, I'm just I gotta wait. That's how you keep all these takes fresh and hot and steaming and right out of the oven. <laughs> if you watch them now, you kind of kind of lose that. But luster. then you're a very tired oven, Nathan. You don't want to be a tired <laughs> oven. True. I'm I'm pumping hot takes out on the daily, so I don't got room for it right now. Um, um what have our listeners been watching? How uh, about we've that? gotten quite a few. Uh, so I asked the question on Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to uh, be, if you want to be let know, sorry, if you want to find out when <laughs> uh, we get some comments from our listeners, then you can head over to our Twitter and or Facebook pages, which we ask people sometimes uh so what have our people been watching we got paul o'malley on twitter wonder egg priority and the promised neverland but have also started on some of the backlog with taiso samurai and a rewatch of one punch man some quality shows right there yes indeed yes indeed have you ever seen taiso samurai i've never i never really heard of it i don't think so unless it goes by (laughs) oh it's the gymnastic samurai one that's oh, what I'm thinking. So the one that you, I think you didn't pass that one, right? I didn't pass it because that bird was so annoying. It's all <laughs> <of the> bird. <laughs> it uh, it had potential though. It was definitely a unique show that was going for that like Yuri on Ice Olympic styling of presentation. Mm. Um, we got Matthew R. Jobert, uh, which he says same old, same old, uh, and and he put out a gif of Naruto. <laughs> so <laughs> good thing. Uh, Gorgrind Goku isn't having to watch yeah. that. Oh my goodness. Dodge that bullet. Um, at, That shuriken, I should say. Have you seen all of Naruto? No. No, I've seen enough. <laughs> <laughs> at Warmy Senpai says, they just finished all of K-On! Fantastic show and capped off my Naoko Yamada movie slash shows. Oh my goodness. So good, Warmy. I've actually... You're a smart have person. have not seen K-On! yet. <laughs> it's so good. It's... It's really good. It's probably my favorite Kyoto animation show. Uh, at Naiho Zapelli, they say Wonder Egg Priority and just caught up to the AOT manga and ReZero. They watched the Rohan OVAs and it just made me want part six animated more. Uh, yeah, uh, Rohan just came to Netflix, I believe. I've not seen Rohan. So. It's uh, good, but I think, I remember seeing in our Discord, I think someone was saying some of JoJo was leaving Netflix in March. So if you haven't watched JoJo, uh, get on it now, stat, pronto, Mason, please. I don't have time for JoJo right now. <laughs> 
one day, one day you'll fall into that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, at Simmerer Down, finally plunged into Haikyuu. Um, and now onto Facebook, we got Nathan Davis saying, um, I've just been watching Wonder Egg Priority and really loving it. It's a lot of Wonder Egg Priorities here. I was going to say, I, w- I love to hear it. Um, Ellie Francis says, I've been watching Kumo Deska Nanika, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Kemono Jihen, Beastars, and Horimiya. So a lot of, of the uh, best shows of the season right there. The newer stuff. I uh, Honestly, I haven't heard of anyone talking about Kimono Jihen. And that's a little surprising. A little not. But I, f- I, f- I feel like it was due for more like discussion on it. But oh well, maybe it's just my f- false like interpretations of how popular it was. Mm. Yeah, I mean... I feel like I haven't seen any of it yet, but I don't know. I'm interested in the plot of it, so maybe I'll eventually watch it sometime. I don't know if, like, I don't know if I would actually like it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Okay. Uh, In the last one, uh, Christian Cabrera says they've watched all of Initial D, just finished the fourth stage, finished Kids on the Slopes, and rewatched Nana. Um, And... He watched kids go down slopes and kids on <laughs> slopes. That's a <laughs> that's his theme. Basically, yes. I remember watching kids on the slopes for anime club, and unfortunately, I was a little disappointed. And I'm sorry for all those who love kids on the slopes, but it just wasn't for me. All right, and that was uh, all that we got from our socials. So again, if you'd like to join us on Twitter or Facebook, please do. Uh, and then you can uh, get involved next time as well excellent well this uh this this went well i think thanks you all for sharing and uh man there's a lot of stuff i'll talk about next time we do one of these we never have enough time and uh spoiler alert next time i'll be talking about case closed or detective conan which has been on my to-do list for a while so uh if you want to join my discussion next time you can watch a couple episodes of that but with that i think we will jump on over and Take our news break. All right. So we have our weekly trivia question before that. Non, the illustrator for the Adachi and Shimomura light novels, also did the illustrations for what series that Kyoto Animation adapted. And you can find out the answer coming up. Hello and welcome to MASO NBC News. Today is 2-21-21 and here is your news break. In movie news, a 30 second teaser trailer and visual of Mamoru Hosoda's new film was released. The film, called Bell, fully translated from Japanese as The Princess of Dragons and Freckles, will open in the summer of 2021. The film marks Studio Chizu's 10th anniversary in Hosoda's 8th feature film. His 2010 works consist of Wolf Children, The Boy and the Beast, and Mirai. In manga news, American publisher Viz Media announced many series that are getting a physical release this fall. Animal Crossings, Friarin, Mao, which is Rumiko Takahashi's latest, Pokemon Journeys, Burn the Witch, Kaiju No. 8, which I'm personally very excited for, Deserter, the new Junji Ito story collection, 
the Demon Slayer Complete series, which consists of all 23 volumes, and if you need more reading, One Piece Box Set Number 4, which consists of volumes 71 through 90. And finally, in meme news, Netflix revealed the final design for the titular King of All Monsters from the upcoming series Godzilla Singular Point, a 13-episode series done in collaboration between Studio Bones and Studio Orange, which will have an ending song by the must-listen band Polka Dot Stingray. Anyway, when looking at the design of this Godzilla, I've got one thing to say. Damn, that's a chonky lizard. Maybe it's just the angle of the image, with the tail coiling around it to fill up room, but it looks like an absolute unit. Well, that was our news break, and now, back to the podcast, after a word from the big dog. Anime Addicts, the AAA podcast is always trying to bring you new and exciting ways to enjoy our content, and now we have an exclusive member-only RSS feed on the site that is going to let you access our hentai episodes, our hobby addicts, and our after-parties episodes, all from your favorite mobile apps. That's an additional eight episodes of content per month just for you, and you can listen to it through Apple Podcasts app, you can listen to it through Podcast Addicts, Pocket Cast, Overcast FM, Downcast FM, etc., etc., onward and onward. So many mobile apps for you to choose from. If you were holding back on supporting the podcast because you didn't like listening to our extra content through our website, now you can get it and listen to it the same way you enjoy all your other podcasts. So pitch in, help out the podcast, do a good thing, and enjoy all the extra content we have for you. Just go to aaapodcast.com slash join, and you will get all this extra content and an exclusive member RSS feed for you to enjoy. That's Again, that's aaapodcast.com slash join, and support the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. The, before we left you, we had an in-show question, which was, Nan, the illustrator for the Adachi and Shimamura light novels, also did the illustrations for what series that Kyoto Animation adapted? The answer is Love, Chinibio, oh, and Other show. Delusions. My favorite. What and a great show. I keep on show. thinking about how you just described as Godzilla as a chunky boy. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Really, he's really thick in that image. I, uh, but yeah, also I love the it. fact that you were like really <laughs> serious during that whole news break, and then you ended it with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it was all building up to uh, <laughs> the joke. Wait, which, you did uh, that on purpose funny, just for the uh, joke? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what you're going for. I was trying to get it really, like, bass-boosted, but it sounded too bad, so I just went with, like, the really bad People echo were effect. liking it to an NPR segment. Um, also, the, that Metal Gamer 1992 says, Mason versus Godzilla coming to a theater new year. Could you could you take on Godzilla, Mason? No, no, no way. Um, He's too much chonk. Too much chonk no, for no. you. 
he's too much. I can't handle, can't handle it. He's a, he's an absolute <laughs> unit and oh, wait, did, it's not to be trifled did with. Did I make up that uh, you said chonk or, and just thought about it? Or you said, I know you said unit, but did you say chonk as well? I, I think okay. I called him a chonky lizard. <laughs> I don't know. I, I recorded this a while ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of absolute, actually, this is not a great transition. Anyway, moving on. Let's do. Uh, let's do some movie talk. Get your popcorn ready. It's time for unexplored pictures with Mason. I told you all I was going to do today was talk about anime. And in this episode of Unexplored Pictures, I want to talk about a recently released movie called Her Blue Sky. It came out in 2019. It's done by Studio Cloverworks, who has been, oh my, everything they did this past season we passed. The Promised Neverland Season 2, Horimiya, and Wonder Egg Priority. We're talking about all of them, so why not talk about them some more? So, Her Blue Sky is another collaboration by the production team called Team Super Peace Busters, which is such a great name. And it consists of director Tatsuyuki Nagai, writer Mario Kada, and character designer Masayoshi Tanaka, who are this collaboration unit is best known for doing Anohana, Anthem of the Heart, Absolute and Torandora. So some big name titles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They are a good unit. And honestly, this film is probably my favorite work of these creators and studio. I adored the characters, the visuals, the music, and it didn't descend too deep into the drama hole that Okada's works sometimes fall prey to. And essentially, this is the story of best girl um, Aoi, who is an aspiring bass player who plans to move to Tokyo after high school. And essentially, she's often found practicing late into the evenings in this like hidden, dilapidated shrine temple a municipal building. I'm not really sure what it is, but she kind of hangs out in this public space and practices. And while practicing late one night, she encounters the ghost or spirit of Shino, a guitar player that Aoi's older sister used to date many years ago, like uh, decades ago. And this was before an accident happened and he kind of left in whatever manner you want to interpret that. And essentially this what follows the classic uh, plot of this, like, resolving the lingering will and, like, dreams of this ethereal being so it can pass on. So, essentially, you have this spirit of this guitar player from the accident when he was younger and, you know, trying to resolve the relationship between that or him and uh, the older sister and kind of love triangles and music Concoctions and all sorts of stuff happens, and it's a pretty basic formulaic plot that relies on magical realism and teenage teenage angst to shoulder a lot of the burden. But at the same time, it's it knows what it is and carries it through really well during the 108 minutes that the movie runs. It's got really good pacing and it just hits all the story beats at the right time, and it wraps up pretty well, providing you're willing to kind of go with the flow on the fact that there are magical elements at play. So. I was unexpectedly surprised on how much it struck a chord with me, and I would give it a light recommendation to kind of anyone who's a fan of Mario Kata's works, likes music and anime, likes just great Cloverwork productions, and just or likes any of the group's previous work. So if you're looking for a movie to try out that's pretty new, I recommend Her Blue Sky. 
And I thought it was a pretty How good do you think tie. it like compares to her other works though? Like do you think this was one of her better ones? I mean, usually they're in a lot of her works, I love the setup of them. I love the initial premise of a lot of them. Um Anohana, Toradora, the the one last year that I really enjoy with the uh, o-, o Maidens in Our Savage Seasons. And usually there's a point in a lot of her stories where I'm just yeah. like, uh, I didn't really jive with that idea or concept or how it shifted or just a weird element where I'm just like, I could have gone without that. That was kind of not to my liking, not to my taste. And this one kind of maybe played a little bit safer than those, but because of that, all of those moments were either so minor that I was able to kind of just vibe with it or weren't there at all. So I just between really enjoying the main character, the prevalence of bass and kind of, I've been practicing actually for the past months since seeing this movie, uh, practicing one of the big like musical numbers that she performs on my bass. So like it's, I've been listening to this almost every day uh, because of that. So I, I think it's just a very solid and well put together. And for that, I appreciate it. And uh, it's just a, it's it's a good, good time. time. It didn't have any robotic uh, <laughs> puppet robots uh, at the beginning with dramatic uh, fog effects. But besides <laughs> that, it was a pretty good movie. So shall we go on to our mailbag? Yeah, let's uh, see it, if I, I can believe. do it right. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag. Anime. 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 Mailbag. I uh, just realized I forgot to show the like little like I forgot to go to this screen boop when I was talking about the movie that would have been uh, nice anyway back to boop <laughs> mailbag screen okay you've been doing it pretty well Mason don't worry I yeah that was my first botch of the day okay it's so let's okay. head into our mailbag if you'd like to submit a mailbag please go to www.aaapodcast.com and hit the mailbag button and you can ask us or just bring up a topic of discussion that and we'll you know read it out loud and we'll chit chat let's head into this one submitted by a man very simply called Rick <laughs> uh, this is a question for everyone but Mitsugi sorry Mitsugi if you guys were hypothetically to choose a Japanese name to go on by to go on sorry to go by on the podcast like previous hosts did, what name would you have chosen? And honestly, it looks like Mitsugi was so offended that he was left out of this question that he did not show up today. So thanks a lot, Rick. <laughs> you scared him off. Um, and this was a really hard question because there are just so many names out there, and I always feel weird about choosing a foreign name for myself because I have nothing to do with that culture. But I don't know. I guess based on how my name sounds, a Kauri or a Kauru would be a decent fit, I think. I mean, I also like Mai or May too, because, you know, my birthday's in May. So I always, and I always like that as a name. So Mai or May would be nice. Yeah, it, it's, I feel like it's tough to, you know, yeah. generate a new name for yourself. Our man, our, <laughs> our parents got it tough, especially because mine did such a great job. But uh, like we've been introduced and we were like kind of known by our name. So like to to think about how we would be presented otherwise at this point, it's like, oh, it's yeah. too late. Like we missed the boat on it. Not saying we would even do it, but like had we had to, I'm sure it would have been easier at the time than 
thinking of one at the fact yeah, now. Especially so when you go into like maybe like a foreign I, uh, language class and your teacher sometimes will give you a name to go by in the class so you're more immersed in the language. Um, so I always feel like Oh my goodness. Triggered. I just got triggered by like not not triggered, that's a wrong word for it, but like I was just hit by a wave of nostalgia, like remembering in like high school Spanish classes, like having to choose a, a Spanish name to like go yeah. by. I think I was Felix or something. <laughs> That's such I don't a remember. random choice for a guy named Mason. I don't, I don't um, know why. Uh, my teacher always said that they were going to give us a, a Spanish name, uh, but she just went with whatever slightly Spanish intonation you can put on a regular name. And mine was really easy because I would just be called Carolina and, you know, that worked well mm-hmm. enough. <laughs> But yeah, I, when I went into my Chinese language class, I uh, was given the name uh, Kairu, which was always hard for me to say in <laughs> the correct pronunciation. But yeah. Yeah, that kind of sounds yeah. like Kairu. You know, it, it's yeah. kind of in yeah. the same vein. And that's kind of what I also based it on. It's like, well, this one was Kairu in Chinese. And well, I guess Kaori or Kairu would be a good fit in Japanese as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. I, I could see it. I could see it. See, I was a coward and just picked uh, a Japanese name that is like super close to my current name. <laughs> just then we could have just rolled it off and be like, oh, yeah, that was always my name. You guys were just mispronouncing it. Uh, and I picked uh, the name Misen, M-I-S-E-N, because it's named after Mount Misen, which is the tallest mountain on the island of Miyajima, which is, if you've ever seen... Uh, pictures of the Itsukushima Shrine, which is like the very famous floating tori, where the the singular mass of tori is like in the water, just like ascending. It's a super famous picture, but uh, this is on the island of Miyajima, which was like the first place that the AAA podcast went on our Japan trip. And like, uh, it was really cool. I remember like, facebook videoing my family from there like look at mm-hmm. i've made it i'm in japan wowza and then like mandy mitsugi and i like just the three of us like hiked up part way up mount misen so like it has like that kind of like it's memorable that's in nice. my mind for that so and it sounds obviously like mason so that's my coward's mm-hmm. answer not very interesting it's not something uh clever but that's eh, would I actually have gone by that? No, probably not. But uh, that's my best estimate of if I gunned to my head, had to pick something now, I'd uh, go with that. Yeah. Honestly, and uh, like... So uh, th- thank you, Rick, for the mailbag. Going off like a similar tangent, uh, I always have had a hard time picking a name for different social media and like even like the Discord trying to figure out what to call myself on there. Because a lot of people use gam- gamer tags they've used for mm-hmm. years. And I was never really a gamer. I never really was on... Yeah, Tumblr or anything like that. Um, So I always go by Caroline, and I find that so frustrating because it sounds so bland and unexciting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we got... I mean, Mason is a little unique, like, enough where there's not too many that I run into. Yeah, but then we have people like Captain Avatar and Frigimon, and (laughs) it's like, yeah... It's like these kind of people. Classics, like, I'm wondering classics. where you got, where you get the names from, and like how do you start off with that name? Because if I were to go on in onto our Discord and say like, "Hey, I'm going by this name now," I just randomly pulled out of a hat. It'd be so weird. <laughs> but it's only weird when 
like you're thinking about it like that. But like when you meet people and we've had tons of like, you know, fan or, you know, friend meetups where people use online handles and you're like, do I use your online name or real name? Like they both sound natural because it's just what you get acclimated to. So it's not as big as of a deal as we're making it out to be, but it is kind of fun to think about. Yeah. Oh, I have another tangent we can go off on, but I don't want to. <laughs> well, no, okay. do it. Do it. So, I love tangents. Tangents. So some Let's of you it. may know that I do a, I'm, I'm a radio show host in the mornings. So a lot of radio show hosts don't go by their real names. Um, I actually go by my middle name, which is Grace. Uh, but I've had so many, you know, DJ names in the past because I had my shows on my college radio station and all that. <laughs> And trying to pick one is so hard because you want to make it sound natural, but like and also interesting. So, yeah, but it was a big surprise to me when I found out that people don't normally go by their real names on the radio. You uh, you didn't go with some like crazy like DJ Curly <laughs> Q or something in the mornings or like. <laughs> some like early 90s era edgy rock radio no because like, you don't want name like, <laughs> the things that, that i've been taught by people in the business is like you don't want to be a jock voice you don't want to go like this and make things sound so then they have an actual yeah. word for that like the uh what's it called the the tropey radio person's voice <laughs> basically but um maybe we should move on to uh the review part of the episode or did, or what did, did we have um we have Maybe. a couple announcements about listeners choice right i was just going to remind people hey people it's up there website aapodcast.com you can leave your mailbags there you can leave your topic suggestions there and like i said listeners choice it's a big button you hit it you tell us the shows you want us to review in segments like this where we review shows so our review today is Adachi Toshimamura or Adachi and Shimamura. If you don't want to <laughs> translate that one <laughs> one word, this came out in fall of 2020. This was passed by Mandy on episode 549, and you can watch this show over on Funimation. So synopsis, as I say, while I scroll down to read the synopsis, which is high schooler Adachi spends her school day skipping class until she meets fellow quote unquote delinquent Shimamura, and the two quickly become friends. Cutting class and goofing off deepens their friendship, but soon romantic emotions emerge. So this is essentially a Yuri romance that falls in the same wheelhouse as Bloomin' to You and Kase-san and the Morning Glories. So, with that said, this is done by Tezuka Productions and directed by Satoshi Kuwahara, who did the Blackjack series and actually did since we talked about it, the quintessential quintuplet season one, but not season two, which I found interesting. And of course, Tezuka Productions did the Dororo remake. They did the quintessential quintuplets and Kids on the Slope. So a lot of stuff going on. What were your initial expectations going um, into this? I actually didn't really know much about the show going into it. I mean, I wasn't here for impressions. So there's also that. Um, but I kind of, by the title, I kind of figured it'd be a romance between these two characters. Um, and that was basically it. I was kind of expecting to be similar to what it was, but I'm actually, I don't really actually watch that many romance shows. And when I do like, it's not exactly my favorite, but yeah, I mean, it was like, I was, I was pretty, uh, 
I didn't really go in with a lot of expectations to begin with, actually. Okay. Yeah, for me, I'm a pretty big fan of the writer, Kenjiro Hada's previous adapted anime work, Ground Control to Psycho Electric Girl, which is quite a mouthful. Which, uh, despite many flaws, enough of that show landed with me, most notably the opening, which was like a cover of a Shinsei Kamate-chan song, and it had the generous coating of paint, which is kind of applied in the Shaft aesthetics that applies to kind of all the Shaft shows. So I like that show, but I didn't know if it was more for the visuals of it or just kind of how fun the writing was. So going into this, knowing it was by the same source material, source material guy i was hopeful but very uncertain on what kind of production tezuko would uh tezuka productions would give us so with that said spoiler free recommendations caroline would you recommend if you really like your romance shows i suppose this would be a good pick the thing is is that it doesn't really do a lot of uh you know amazing things with the the genre. So if you're look, if you're kind of tired of romance shows, this probably is not for you. Um, if you're looking for a Yuri show that isn't a just about the fact that a girl likes a girl, like and the problems that arise with uh, being in a same sex or wanting a same sex relationship, then if, if you are kind of annoyed with that in any of these kind of shows, then this would be a good fit because it's not. Um, it, it does normalize, you know, having a crush on another girl. It's not the main issue uh, is like whether or not it's OK. So, um, yeah, I, I would say generally anybody who likes romance, who wants a same sex rom- relationship between girls and it not being just a strange uh, thing to deal with. Yeah, yeah, good point. I thought the show was very well produced. The cinematography, the sound design, and visual composition were all really solid. Um, this is a story of like introverts who have trouble connecting with pairs on the sociable level. So like the arrival of a first love is extra taxing on their system, which kind of brings all parties to tumultuous waters. This is a classic slow burn, will they, won't they romance that finds a nice line, I think, between like the blossoming feels feeling of love and not like crossing too deeply into like a weird obsession where there's like stalking and stuff going on. So it does a lot of the fundamentals right. And if you've watched shows like this before, you already know if this is up your alley or not. And while it wasn't all bad and some of the characters were enduring, uh, the best moments were kind of their inner monologues and not the actual show itself. Because at the end of the day, the show is simply too indecisive to make any notable progress from where it begins. And it kind of means the entire show kind of feels lackluster because of it. And it's a a fluffy show, but it's best enjoyed on a moment to moment basis that begins well. But like I said, just peters out into disappointment. So unless you already love this show, I, I, I can't recommend it. There's better Yuri out there. There's better romance out there. And it's only if you're already deep in that and want more that I would recommend this to someone. So with that, we've said our piece and we will jump into. There really isn't a lot of spoil with this show, to be honest. Uh, There really isn't much to spoil, unfortunately. So one of my gripes with the show is that definitely the plot did not feel like it was going very far. I'd say that the main difference between episode one and episode 12 is just Adachi's uh, 
I guess she did uh, evolve a little bit in her feelings towards other people and what she figuring out what she wants, which is good, but that's basically it. And that doesn't even touch on Shimamura's evolving traits, which was kind of not very existent. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it started really well. Like, I actually enjoyed the show, I'd say for the first three, three and a half episodes. Like, I was moving along well. Like, it really established the characters well. I just believed a lot of what was going on besides all the side character stuff, which we'll talk about later. But at, like, the midway point, the show just pulls on the e-brake and it yeah. just falters. And it just becomes Adachi being adamant to not do anything but wallow in embarrassment. And they spend all this time thinking about, like, horoscopes or chocolates or asking about Christmas gifts and scenes shopping for a present that just take eternity with no progress. And, yes, in all those massive wastes of times, you do get moments with, like, this really wholesome air hockey scene. Where like Adachi is like postulating on how she can come to term with like accepting her past. And she's like, even though I don't like who I was, like everything in my past kind of brought me here with Shimamura. And like that justifies my whole existence. And like that that's really nice. That like warms your heart. And if it didn't, like her mm-hmm. flexing in victory and saying, like, how about them apples? Like, will. Like it yeah. lands its moments. But it's a mix of her, like not really uh, um, I don't know like there's there's no dramatic miscommunications which is good I feel like that's what a lot of things fall into where they see uh, like their crush talking with someone else and they're like oh uh, they don't love me anymore I'm misunderstanding and like tailing out and my imagination's getting the worst of me like that's usually how these things falter and I can't stand that instances of this show just a couple there were but they were never major it was more like they would be communicating they'd be talking but there's just these slight like different perceptions of events that are happening which create those inevitable like cracks in their understanding of one another and i like i feel like that's much more realistic but the problem is her like adachi just can't make that step and shimamura is just so distant in in herself that there's like this inconquerable divide and i feel like more than plot i think we should talk about sure. characters if you want to uh, um, so do first that. of all we have adachi who is a high school freshman at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the show um and she is pretty much the main character we are following her more than chimamura is mm-hmm. uh and she's also probably the most relatable in that she is really introverted she doesn't really like hanging out with people a lot like even in the instances where she goes along with Shimamura and the two other friends uh she is not entirely comfortable with it and you know I actually kind of like that there are people out there that just don't really like social situations even if even if so they're trying their best to remain within the loop of their classmates um and I like they kind of didn't really put pressure on the fact that like oh there's something wrong with her she's not hanging out with people um so that's good uh, there was a l- actually I'll get up to that. I was going to say something, but I'm going to push that point to the side for a little while. And then we have Sh- Shimamura, who is the uh, more sociable person, but she also isn't really crazy on the social situations. She just pretends better than Adachi. Uh, and mm-hmm. she is the quote unquote son for Adachi. She she kind of lights up her world. 
even though I kind of don't really see why. I'm so sorry if you are a big fan of Shimamura, but <laughs> her character kind of brought in a lot of issues for me for this show, um, especially since she wasn't as relatable as Adachi, and it seemed more than not the in, the show was about Adachi trying to confess to her, and Shimamura keeps on like like thinking that she's just her friend. Um, mostly because Adachi's really bad at explaining how she feels. <laughs> she is it's like really every bad. single episode, there is some sort of situation where she's trying to like build herself up to say something, and she gives a very watered down version of what she's trying to say, and it could be easily m- misunderstood as a friendship thing than a romantic thing, which was so frustrating because it was almost every single episode that something was this, something like this was happening. Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. so I was yeah. thinking, by the end, by the last episode, we are finally going to get, okay, she has confessed, it is romance, not friendship that Shimamura is experiencing, or sorry, Adachi's feeling for Shimamura, and that Shimamura would understand. But there was no confession! There was not a moment that Shimamura found out that Adachi actually had romantic feelings for her. And that just irked the hell out of me. Adachi, like, the big resolution at the end of this, like, after all these episodes, Adachi's big revolution at the end is she really believes, like, no, I will will try my best. I will button down the hatches and I will will continue to, you know, not pursue or, like, obsess or chase after because that's not quite the right word, but I will continue to have these feelings, harbor them for Shimamura, and one day I will present them to her and we will, you know, I will properly explain how I feel about her. And Shimamura, her big revolution is, eh, Adachi will do until we eventually, our, our time is going to be up after high school. It's, it'll pass the time. Like, she, she made no step in the direction of kind of either to yeah. Adachi or to herself like resolving this as anything more than a passing yeah, friendship, and, like, and I think I think a whole like a like a fortune teller like tells Adachi to her face like this whole issue would be resolved if you had yeah. guts, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I'll get guts later, apparently. <laughs> and like I'm okay with getting yeah. guts later is basically what the twelfth episode was, um, and I now to be fair. Adachi asked Shimamura what her favorite kind of chocolate was. And you know what the answer was? The answer was milk chocolate. Shimamura likes milk chocolate. And they go and get chocolates on Valentine's Day. And Adachi feeds Shimamura a piece of her chocolate. And know what kind she fed her? Was it milk chocolate? Or sorry, uh, white chocolate, wasn't it? (laughs) It was white chocolate. So that's why you didn't get the girl, my friend. You uh, you didn't didn't hit all the story beats in your visual novel. Um, so I was about to say that one of my other gripes was, I'm sorry, I'm talking about gripes. Unfortunately, this just wasn't the show for me. I felt, I wish that they Mm -hmm. dealt more with Adachi's really unhealthy emotional attachments and Shimamura's problems with facing, with like forming meaningful relationships. Because I, I feel like, I don't know if the show itself realizes it, but Adachi's really kind of obsessing with Shimamura. And... I mean, yes. okay, you have a you have a crush on her, 
But she, that's literally all she ever thinks about is Shimamura. And if Shimamura were to, you know, leave for some reason, to not be her friend anymore, for any reason at all, Adachi is in a lot of danger of just being super depressed. And we don't even need to, like, guess about that. Like, for one day, Shimamura ate lunch yeah. with some new, like, friends in a class. And in that same classroom, Adachi's yeah. like, you know what? I'm done. And just doesn't even go to school. Like, she ate lunch with some friends, and that shut down Adachi. And I get that Adachi was always kind of a loner and by herself. And, like, Shimamura's presence in, like, the ping pong zone above the basketball. Like, that was her transformative moment. And I can see why she got that initial spark and, like, motivation to you know, be her friend, but it definitely became yeah. a little too possessive and Shimamura's uh, Yeah, even Shimamura her. calls her, like, possessive and kind of laughs at it, but it's like, no, she is possessive. Mm-hmm. And, like, not in, like, she doesn't mean to be possessive in a bad way. It's just that she, that's, like, Shimamura is the only person in her life that she actually cares about. So if anything, God forbid, happened to Shimamura, Adachi is in a really awful situation. And that's not her fault, but she needs a little more than a friendship to kind of fix her problems. She needs, like, therapy. <laughs> I hate to say it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you, 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 you talk about something. I've talked One, quite a bit already. <laughs> uh, I was going to say just hand wave just brushing everything under the rug, I thought pretty much all the other characters in this were pretty insufferable. Um, on one hand, you have Yachi or Chikama, alien. The, uh, the alien person who... Okay, so she's clearly like an Easter egg call-out to the main character of Ground Control, the, oh, uh, the author's That's previous That's the only work. reason why she's in there? But I don't understand why she's an inclusion. Like, an Easter egg is, like, a background character. Yeah. We're like, hey, I recognize her. She's from that other thing. Yeah, cool. But she is, like, gets prevalent screen time, and she just forced drama, totally ill-fitting. a love triangle like, briefly. Has, at, like, in that one episode, the bowling episode. And I thought, like, oh, no, this is going to be a love triangle. And then, and she then just I'm drops glad out. that it didn't actually happen. But I even had a point written yeah. down, like, yeah, I really don't understand her purpose of being in the show. Because she is sometimes cute, but she's also sometimes annoying. It's it's just doesn't fit with the show. And the other thing that fits a little bit better, but I still don't really enjoy, is the the unnecessary fan servicey couple of Nagafuji yeah. and Hino, which I don't know what they were doing there. They're either there to entice the audience and be like, "Look at this is the relationship you want to see with Adachi and Shimamura," right? Like. These, this is an established relationship. Wouldn't it be great if Adachi had this? That'd be cool. Yeah. Or maybe they're just trying to normalize the lesbian relationship and be like, look, it's a thing. It's common. It's not that wild or obscure. Like, this is a thing. Or maybe they're just like, you know what? People came to the show to watch Yuri, and they're not getting it with Adachi and Shimamura. So let's just give them these, like, fan servicey moments. And overall, the camera in the show was the very fan servicey. <laughs> They love, listen, if you have an affinity for legs, this is your show because almost every camera shot lingered on the edges of skirts. At or least there were no panty like shots. So, I can't say how happy I was. I did not see a single panty shot in this show. 
which they could have done so often. Yeah. So many times they were looking at the legs and like um, as they were squat down in the gym. And the skirt somehow, it's a really small skirt, but it somehow covers up everything. It's not physically possible, but I'm glad I didn't have to see any. <laughs> sure, but then you also had this this other couple who all of a sudden they're like, you know what, let's yeah. just have them take a bath together and just rub up on one another and just just go at it. And it's like, there was no setup. Like, I didn't know why we were being shown that other than, hey guys, hey guys, wouldn't it be cool if... Wow, like, look Mm -hmm. at, wow, amazing, right? Okay, back to these two characters who are in this, like, toxic, weird, dependent relationship that doesn't go anywhere. Like, the only, like, the best part about the show is that there are (laughs) a lot of headbutts. Like, you can't say you're in a relationship with someone unless you've accidentally bonked heads. First comes headbutts, then head pats, then hand-holding, and then, uh... as the show said, awkward non-confessions and nothing happens. I I can understand there being, like, quite a bit of fan service, but... It didn't bother me as much because there's so much worse they could have done. Um, so while yes, they put a lot. Like I think I think the worst thing was that one friend squeezing the other girl's boobs quite too often. But it it's it's weird, but certainly not as bad as I could have expected. So I was happy with that. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, visually, I would say overall the show was solid. Like. The visual metaphors were pretty good. There was a lot of great blushing, some neat color palettes, and every once in a while, some subtle character movement and quirk. But animation-wise, it was pretty poorly done. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a persistent trend where every time like a character would turn... Not every time, I should say. Sometimes when a character would turn their head or widen their eyes or raise their arms or crack a smile, there would be this weird, like transition where it like happened too slowly and you would see the frames like superimposed on top of one another for like an uncomfortably long time like episodes four five eight nine like multiple episodes had this weird i don't know donnie darko like extra body parts on screen at once and it looked really bad and i can probably find a thing to show you but just believe me that sometimes the show looked really bad in the movement and uh i didn't get why they letterboxed sometimes it wasn't tasteless but it didn't do much either i don't quite know what you're talking about but (laughs) i mean yeah if you want to send it to me and i'll see it's um it's it's whatever it's it's a small thing but it just visually the show looked good for most of the time when it really didn't need to but then it failed at some other moments and who cares um speaking of I, I wouldn't call it fan service. This actually, it kind of is fan service. The um, the realization that some animators have, like, oh my gosh, they have lips. Let's make them lips, and then then the next <laughs> shot, they don't have lips. Yeah, and they make the lips super like every now and moist then. looking and shimmery, and it's so weird. <laughs> but um, it'd be fine if they constantly had lips, but they don't. So, yeah. And it's not even, like, in romantic spots that they remember they have lips. They just go on into a close-up of their lips and then, like... (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, Music wasn't super memorable, but it was well-fitting. I thought the OP was very skippable. Okay, but I did skip it quite often. Yeah. Any, uh... Um, Any other things you want to bring up? I have a couple. I mean, honestly, (laughs) Um, in addition to Yashiro kind of being useless, uh, 
That girl Tarumi was pretty useless too. I didn't understand why she was there in the show. I yeah, I was expecting like oh the arrival of the rival character and like you know her forcing Shimamura to really assess what she cares about or who she cares about would force Adachi to be like no I've got to stake my claim defend my turf and like that you know component and it really didn't happen it's more like yeah we're friends and clearly there's something there maybe the light novel yeah, goes somewhere but a lot of characters were just brought in and nothing really happened at least uh she got a little bit of involvement yeah. in screen time and kind of more she kind of showed how disconnected Shimamura is and like she kind of didn't even remember her name at first or didn't harbor any of the same emotions. So she's kind of always been. Yeah, even Tarumi is obsessive from... with Shimamura, I think. Like, just in a very strange way, she's like mm-hmm. even changing her personality to be what she thinks is more appealing to Shimamura as she is now, which is like, no, that's not how friendships work. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just change something to make yourself more appealing to a friend. Like, and they know about it. Like she even says, "Like, listen, I know that I'm. A, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna like be a little more enthusiastic for you because apparently I think that's what you like better, right?" And so that even that's weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I even she she was supposed to be kind of uh, Adachi's rival in this situation, but they meet once, and Adachi doesn't even know that Tarumi is Shimomura's friend. So, yeah, that was... and She mm-hmm. must have some sort of purpose in the light novels or something. She's just there to tell Shimura, hey, you got hot. You got big. You got... And so okay. Like, don't you mean I just grew up? Like, <laughs> let's not go yeah. that far. But it's... Um, I don't know. Yeah, so... And also, episode four. What's the deal with the literal teenaged pedophile? I need to talk <laughs> about this, Mason. Okay, so do you do remember it, the teenage pedophile? Let the hate flow through you. I, I don't. I, like I said, I watched episodes one through five uh, months ago back when I thought, oh, <laughs> this show's not going to pass. <laughs> and then it passed, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to go through that again. Okay, so but, episode uh, four explain it comes around. Um, we get Chimamura in a bathing suit at the YMCA, basically. Um so she's working out. Her mom's there, too, in a different room. Uh, and she's in the swimming pool. She gets out of the swimming pool, and we see this teenage boy kind of, you know, doing the typical pervy anime boy things, kind of like, oh, I'm so glad I came to the pool. Huh? And at first, I'm, like, thinking that he's lusting <laughs> over some girls his age, which is gross, and I hate it, but it's not something I haven't seen before, and I kind of expect it from anime at this point. But No. The camera pans to a group of, like, eight-year-olds. Like, little kids. And he's... Yeah. He just... Nosebleed.mp4. And looks at him, and she looks disgusted, but then she walks away. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Are you not going to go to an adult and get this pedophile out of here? <laughs> and that's it. So what was the point of putting a teenage pedophile in a room with little kids in this show that's not about that? I don't get it, Mason. I don't get it. So much of this show was wasting time from the romance. And then when the romance happened, it was a romance with excessive air quotes around it because it could barely have been called that. Like, it failed on so many fronts. (laughs) 
And it started off good. I genuinely was like excited for the show coming um, back to actually, it. Actually, in connection to episode four, because that one, I do remember it being like a scene with Shimamura and she actually meets Adachi's mom in the steaming room or whatever, the sauna, whatever it's called. Um, and mm-hmm. that also was really strange too, because she's like, she, she realizes that it's Adachi's mom. Um, and Adachi and her mother had, has a really difficult relationship. Her mom's not apparently not really around, doesn't really know much about her daughter, but she, you know, provides for her and, you know, she's not like, I mean, I suppose like she could be around more, but she's working, you know, parents got to work. Um, and, uh, she hears Adachi's mom over, like talking to this other woman about like, kind of like her troubled relationship with her daughter or whatever. And Shimamura has the gall to like, as a random stranger, a random girl, like, I don't know much about your daughter, but I, you're not doing well enough as a mother. And I'm like, like, yeah, there are certain situations that, you know, definitely parental abuse is a definite thing, but she's not nearly as bad of a person to have this random, random teenage girl call her out and she doesn't even know this woman. Like, she doesn't know anything about the relationship. So how dare she, like, come into this situation and this conversation that she has nothing to do with and criticize this woman that she doesn't know? Sorry. <laughs> no, she was uh, she was regretting that she didn't stand up for the uh, <laughs> the pedophile yeah. guy. And she's like, I gotta stand up now and it's not um, called and for. And then she, like, makes the mom, like, go into a bet if whoever can stay the longest in the sauna, um, and if she and if Shimura can stay the longest in the sauna, then the mom has to go out and try harder with Adachi. And apparently, this works. I'm like, what? Why did the mom have any reason to take on this bet? And why did she? Uh, I don't get it. Because honestly, I was kind of on the mom's side because she was kind the of being, ch- uh, uh, framed as the villain in this situation. It's like. You have you know nothing, little girl, and I'm like, you're right. She knows nothing. the The sauna challenge is like such an ingrained trope that I was just like, eh, yeah, they needed to fit it in somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was life. basically it on my list of things to talk about. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think I think ending final closing thoughts is just started off strong and just continued to disappoint episode after episode the more it dragged on the charm of each character as much as i like them each having their own like inner thoughts so we could see what they were thinking and i thought the voice acting was very realistic like i think the performances were really well done but just i don't know it, it got to the point where yeah it, it, just it got to the point where apart. i've seen so many scenes of Adachi not being being able to have a natural conversation with Shimamura. I'm like, why do these two hang out again? Because <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It became very and stiff. I know it's just because she has a very awkward time with trying to explain her feelings, but it just got so uncomfortable to watch sometimes. Yep, for sure. Well, that I, was our I review. Hope hopefully, I didn't, hopefully, you agree yeah. with it hurt people's feelings over the show no no everyone everyone's got their own tastes and opinions and if you like the show great i'm glad you enjoyed it hopefully there's other stuff in the genre you like and that just wasn't to our uh our liking but with that i think i think we did Woo-hoo. it i think we did it everybody that was uh that was a fun show hopefully we gave you some recommendations of good shows to watch let us know if you check any of them out um 
closing thoughts, follow us on Twitter podcast at AAA podcast. Uh, Caroline at AA Podcast because it's one and the same. Mitsugi's at Pope Mitsugi. Mandy's at Mandy X Mandy. I'm at Macy Pacey. Facebook, we have all sorts of stuff going on. Discord, we have even more stuff going on. Most importantly, Manga Club is going to be February 17th. We'll be reading volumes Dude, 1 uh, through 2 of Sweat and Soap. February 17th was this week. Yes, it's in the, the past. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I forgot to update it. I am a dummy. Let me see. I'm going to play um, this while I roll on over Club? to... Uh, uh, you do it. That'd be, you do, I don't you know what's happening both. in Manga Club. Both, I don't go to Manga Club. <laughs> well, you have to look it up in oh the pin notes because my entire thing oh is going to break down And now I'm feeling like... No, don't drown me out with the music, Mason. <laughs> Anime Club, February 24th, Penguin yeah, Highway, 10 p.m. EST. Please come to it. Oh, there, where did the music go? Oh, Mason. I pause it. I'll pause it. I pause it for you. <laughs> now it sounded like I was shouting. Okay. <laughs> No, no. Okay, we'll try it again. Here we go. From the top, Anime Club. Oh, too much now pressure. Go. Anime Club on February 24th. We are going to be talking about the movie Penguin Highway. It's a very good movie. It was my pick, so please come to it. 10 p.m. EST. I think Manga Club's yeah. doing Comey Can't Communicate on February something. Check it out. Discord, do it. AA Podcast. We're talking Arc, Last Crusade, and Rise of the New World. What's going on, Nathan? We'll see you next week, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.